You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So we just got done with uh, VBS. We call that Vacation Bible School. And it was over-the-top incredible. I came for the last two days to see all the kids here, excited to see all the volunteers. It was just amazing. And today, we're hosting a family fun Sunday. It's the first time we've ever done that. And it's so funny because uh, I talked to a parent outside as they were checking in one of their kids in, uh, in, our, in our kid zone. And uh, the, the dad tells me, we, we drove up to the parking lot, we got on the campus, and, and my daughter looks at my son and she says, she sees the inflatable rides, and she says, do you see what I see? <laughs> it's a good day to be here. <laughs> and and so, so we're, we're really praying that, that, that it, it is a good day to be here. I have been gone for three Sundays. I, I, I was here last Sunday, but I wasn't preaching, so I haven't preached in three Sundays, so be ready. <laughs> Be ready for what? I don't know. We'll see, huh? Um, we're really, really uh, being intentional about investing into families, and, and we're, we're going to be launching a five-year plan that is going to be very detailed on how we're, we're, we're just believing that God is going to allow us to reach every generation uh, as, as we minister. And so it's, it's very important that that, that we reach our, our families and we reach parents that have small children. How many of you know that we need guidance in raising our kids? Good. About 50 of you are honest. 50% of you are honest. And uh, we need guidance, and especially uh, as, we, as we think about uh, being guided... Have you, have you ever seen in, in the movies, you go there and they have a, a kind of a, a sensor. It says either G or PG and, uh, or R, you know. Um, so the PG stands for parental guidance. And so I thought I'd do a, a, a series that would be kind of surrounding that. Uh, parental guidance needed. But have you ever thought about how this uh, censorship came, came to be? How, how, did, how did we start with, with PG and, and, and R's and, and all these things in the movies? Well, let me give you a little bit of history. In the late 1800s, the first person that ever had a movie studio, a production movie st- studio, was Thomas Edison. And Thomas Edison, in, in about the 1890s, uh, mid-1890s, he, he, he filmed his first movie that was ever copyrighted. You know what the name of the movie was? The sneeze. And so he filmed, so he filmed uh, this guy by the name of, um, let me find his name. He filmed this guy by the name of Fred Ott. And, 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 uh, and as he filmed him, uh, it was called <coughs> The Sneeze. And it was called Ott Sneeze. Yeah, there's one in the back. We got an Ott back there. But shortly after that, uh, one of Thomas Edison's employees, he said, I want to move it a little bit forward. I, I, I want to do something a little bit different. And so his name was William Dixon, and he filmed a, a young lady dancing. Her name was Carmen. 
or on one side of the tracks, it was Carmen. And so the, the film was called Carmencita. And Carmencita was dancing around, right? And because she was Latina, you know, Latinos, you, they just don't do this. Latinos and Latinas, they, they do a little bit of twirling, right? And because she was twirling, her dress, her dress would go up a little bit and it would show her legs. Imagine that. So back in the 1890s, it showed her legs, and because it showed her legs, there were some places, as they started to show movies, there were some places that would not show that movie because it showed her legs, bottom part of her legs, and some of her undergarments. It was the first time that we ever saw censorship. Progressively, filmmakers started coming up all over the place, and they began to feel that there was a need for discretion. There was a need for censorship. And so in the 1930s, they put a code together. And that code was called the MMPC, the Motion, uh, the, the Motion Movie Production Code. And it was formed, and they used to have the A movie, a B movie, and a C movie. The A movie was appropriate. The B movie was inappropriate. And the C movie was, you better not go see that. Okay? And so uh, it, it's crazy because back in the 1940s, there was a movie that came out, and that movie was Miracle on 34th Street. Anyone ever heard of that? Well, see, this code, as, as these leaders of, of this uh, uh, discretionary uh, code uh, took place, there was, uh, they, they uh, came together with uh, the Roman Catholic Church, and, and, and as they did that, they, they, were, they were very strict about what they allowed to, to, to be graded high. And Miracle on 34th Street was about a, uh, a woman that was divorced. Remember that? Doris? And so they rated it a B, inappropriate. So it began, it, it, it kept on moving and kept on progressing, and then we get to the 1970s. So it's not even that far back. In the 1970s, after the Motion Picture Association of America was established in about the 1940s, in the 1970s is when they started to rate movies G for general audience, and before there was a PG, there was what? M for mature, and then R for restricted, and then they had an X. And the X was something that was very inappropriate. Now, this is even before pornography was ever shown in, in a motion picture. Well, it was probably shown under the, in, in the black market, but it wasn't shown anywhere else. And so in 1970, okay, 1977, a guy by the name of Steven Spielberg, anyone heard of him? Steven Spielberg came out with a movie and because this movie, he thought, was inappropriate for children, it couldn't be G, but it was not that bad that it should be rated R, okay? He said there should be a new way of grading. There should be a PG-13, he said, because this movie is for about an audience that is a 13-year-old, you're okay, 14, 15, you're fine, but anything under that, you're not. And guess what that movie was? Doo-doom, doo-doom, doo Jaws. In fact, I, I almost got eaten by Jaws in California. I was there last week. If you, there's some pictures on Facebook. You can see 
He tried to come at me, but I give him a elbow. Anyway, so, so Steven Spielberg pushed for this PG-13 rating. PG-13 didn't come into existence until 1984. Steven Spielberg was pushing, 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 lobbying for it. And in 1984, this movie came out. And do you know what the first movie that ever got a PG-13 rating was? It's called Red Dawn. And all you Patrick Swayze fans go, woot, 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 right? I want you to, uh, I want us to understand this fact, okay? The whole idea of censorship, the whole idea of rating derived around giving parents guidance and protecting the minds of hearts and children. How many of you believe that it's important for us to guard the minds of our children and the hearts of our children? Uh, I also want you to, to, to understand that, that, God, that God cares about our parenting and God cares about parents as well. And that's what this series is all about. It's a, today I'm going to be talking about Parents Matter. And we're going to be laying a foundation that every single parent matters. And if you've messed up as a parent, if, you, if, you, if your parents have messed up, there is always room on the cross of Jesus for forgiveness and restoration. That's what today we're going to be talking about. Next week I'm going to be talking about blended but united. There are, there are a lot of homes that are affected and, 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 and you have a blended family. You may know people that have a blended family, and they're struggling with how do we navigate through this, through this new, new uh, 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 relationship that we have and, and bringing siblings that are, that are uh, of another mother or another father. How do we do this? So we'll be talking and looking at some biblical examples of blended families, and we're going to look through a God lens to see how we can have victory in a blended family. Do you know someone that is struggling in a blended family? Bring them next week. It'll be a great, great time for them to be here. And then the, the week after that, we're going to be talking about uh, single but not alone. And the Lord took me to a passage of scripture that is so, so helpful to see that, that when, when you've been uh, uh, left or, or you're abandoned, uh, that you're never alone. God is there for you. And, and we're going to look at the story of Hagar. And, and we're going to see that even, even Hagar, that she, God did not leave her stranded. That he went and he, and he was there for her. And then I'm going to change. I just changed it right now. I was standing right there, worshiping, and I said, I'm changing the fourth part of the series. So it was going to be the security under the umbrella and talking about how God has a design for us in, in, in relationships and marriage. It, it was going to be that, and, and it's still going to be some of that. But I'm going to be talking about the fourth part, is divorce forgivable? Because there may be someone that you know, there may be someone here that you've been through a divorce and you feel like a second-class citizen. And I want you to know that God is with you and he loves you. And there's a lot of grace at the foot of the cross. And he wants to, he wants to be with each one of us. So if you know someone that is, has been divorced or, or is going through a divorce, bring them with you because I think God's going to speak to them. And, and maybe you're in here today and God's already, he's already stirring your heart. He's already moving on you because you, you've had difficulties in, in parenting. You've had difficulties in marriage. And I want you to know that God is on your side. He wants to be on your side. He wants to help us in the way that we raise our families. 
We're going to start out today with a very important passage of Scripture. I use this every time, every time that I start out a, a, a series or that I teach on, on, on families and, uh, and, and parenting. And it's found in Genesis in the, in the very beginning. So if you want to open up your Bibles, go to the very beginning. It's in your outline. It's going to be on the screens as well if you didn't bring a Bible. And it's Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. You mind if I just pray over our, our uh, message? Father, thank you for every person here, Lord God. And more than anything, thank you that you're here. As I speak about this very important subject, I pray for grace to be upon me, Lord God. I pray that this messenger that you've called to preach, Lord, will, will honor you in everything I say. I pray for hearts. I pray for every mind, Lord God, for clarity, for openness, Lord God, for, for uh, forgiveness and restoration. And ultimately, Lord, that we can leave here uh, like those young, young kids that came and said, do you see what I see? Or do you hear what I hear? And uh, let us leave with, with, with life and with uh, hope. So we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So the, the scripture uh, passage that I wanted to, wanted to be the foundation is, uh, God says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother, and he's united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That is why a man leaves his father and mother, and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And as we unpack this passage, it's the key to understanding God's design for family. It's the key to understanding God's design for society. Because as strong as the families are in a society will be how strong a society will be. If families get broken down in a society, that society will be broken. You see, in our schools, there are children that are coming, they call this, and, and I, I'm not going to call it this because God has hope, broken families, right? And, and what I've learned from educators, and I've spent time with a lot of educators, is they deal with more social issues than educational issues. There's so many things going on in, in these kiddos' lives, and the reason for that is because there's broken homes. There's homes that, that there's things going on, and, and, and as, as strong as, as that home is will be how, as strong as that, that child will be. Amen? So what we want to do is we want to be a part of God's uh, restoration. We want to be a part of God fixing us so we can have strong homes, so we can be strong parents, so we can have strong children. And children filled with love and filled with hope and filled with forgiveness. I believe that, that uh, not only is it important for society, it's important for our mental ability, our mental peace. When you have a, a home that's, that's, that's under the, the peace of God, you have peace in your mind. You have peace in your, uh, your emotional stability. And every child is, is better. But here's what I know for, for sure, and I can speak this from me first. Even though God's design is perfect, all of us in here are imperfect. And because we are imperfect, and I'm going to start with me, because I am imperfect, 
right? I bring imperfection to my marriage. I bring imperfection to my parenting, right? I bring imperfection to the way that I was a child to my parents. So I need the grace of God to guide me, to direct me, and to give me restoration and hope, okay? Here's what Jesus said, and and this is why Vacation Bible School is so important. Those kids, they're open to God. Did you know that? Did you see them worshiping? They don't have a problem worshiping. The little girl that just, she's just worshiping. She, she had no idea what you're supposed to do. She just opened up her heart to God. This is what Jesus said. He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven is like these children. You see, as adults, we, we put these walls up. We put these restrictions up. How many of us uh, restrict what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives because we've been hurt? We've got all these things that clutter our minds that clutter our hearts, and we put all these barriers up. Children aren't like that. They open up their hearts to God. And so today, we're going to be talking about parents matter. Did you know that you matter? Anyone in here a parent? Just raise your hand if you've, been, if you've ever been a parent. Okay, awesome. Raise your hand if you've ever had a parent. We're all in the same boat, right? And so I'm going to share, I'm going to share uh, two ways that parents matter. I could share a lot more, but these are just two ways that came to me, okay? Here's the first way. Parents matter in every season of life. I want you to think about something that's very profound, You are in a season right now. You are in a season of your life that you've never been in before. I am in a season in my life that I've never been in before. I've got problems in my life right now that I didn't have 10 years ago. I've got circumstances in my life that I I haven't faced ever before. I've got some, some, some highlights. I've got some, some wonderful testimonies in my life that I haven't had 10 years ago or five years ago or three years ago. I'm in a season. You're in a season. We're all in a season. But I want you to know something, that parents matter in every season of life. There's never a time that you're ineffective. There's never, there's never a time that you're not important. Every, every parent matters. And, he, and here's the thing about seasons. Every parent was a child. And every child has the potential to become a parent. And if you're really blessed, you become a grandparent. And I mean, if you really want to take it and put icing on the cake and put a cherry on type, you become a great grandparent. And I was thinking about that. Why? Yeah, yeah, some of you guys are like, yes. And I was thinking, why are, 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 are you know, the second-generation grandparents called great-grandparents? Because they're great. Because they've learned things, right? We're all in seasons. And, 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 and let's just process. Can we, can we unpack this? Can we just... There are seasons of infancy... You have the seasons of toddlers, you have the seasons of childhood, and every, every season is different. You have the seasons of adolescence, 
That means teenagers, and everyone said, oh, boy, that was a You have the seasons of pre-young adult, then you have young adult, then you have the seasons of late young adult. You've got the terrible 20s. You've got the dirty 30s. You've got the formidable 40s. And then my favorite, you've got the fatty 50s. And some of you are in your sexy 60s. Right? But, here, but here's the deal. Here's the deal, you, 60, you sexy 60s. Here, here's the deal. That is why a man leaves his father and, and mother. It speaks to us about seasons. Because before you're a man, you're a boy. Before you ever leave your father and mother, you're a boy. Before you're a boy, you're a child. Before you're a child, you're a baby. And every child, hear me now, every child that's born has a God-given potential. If you agree with me, say amen. Amen. Every child, every one of those vacation Bible school children, almost 100 kids that came to there, Every one of them has a God-given potential. And parents are given the privilege and the responsibility of extracting and encouraging their children to become all that God created them to be. We have the ability, we've got the privilege, we've got the honor to encourage our children. By the way, I love the way Jace had that. That was awesome how he had that picture. God has, you know, he's given parents the ability to extract, to encourage, to pull out everything that our children have been given by God Almighty. Jesus uh, teaches us this fact, right? How many of you know that Jesus was a child? How many of you know that Jesus was a baby? Right? He was born of a virgin. Pretty amazing birth. You know, it's a miracle birth. God was the father. Impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Mary was. And Jesus was born of a, of a human. He was fully man and fully God. That's why his humanity and his deity is so important to us. And the Bible says this about, about Jesus, his, his, uh, his earthly life. It says in, in, in chapter 2 of Luke, it says... Verse 40, and the child, this is talking about Jesus, the child grew and he became strong. And he was filled with wisdom and, and, and the grace of God was on him. And Jesus grew, in verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and he, and he grew in favor with God and favor with man. And the narrative speaks about Mary in this way. It says that she treasured everything in her heart. Do you want to know what she treasured? She treasured his growth. She treasured his wisdom. She treasured the favor that he had with people and the favor that he had with God. Why do you matter, mom? Why do you matter, dad? Why do you matter in every season? Because in every season you can grow your kids. You can treasure what God's doing in their life. 
Instead of ridiculing what's going on in their life, you can treasure, you can invest, you can pour into them. You can continually, with God's help, allow him to lead you to make a difference in your child's life. Can I tell you that you parents are a measuring stick for God? It's so funny because when we bought our house, uh, I'll never forget this, probably maybe 20 years ago, uh, 15 years ago, we you open up the water heater room, and the, the family before us, they measured their, their height every year. Anyone, anyone do that? And so a measuring and seeing how they were maturing every year. You are a measuring stick that is used by God to treasure things in your heart as your children grow in the wisdom of God, as they grow in favor with him. And God is never mad at our children, right? God is always wanting to love on our children. He wants for them to grow with favor with him and with people. So here's your takeaway, okay? Here's your takeaway. There is not a time in your kid's life that you're not important. Do you know that? I I spoke to a young lady recently, and she said... uh, my, my kids, you know, she was going through a difficult time. This was a, converse, a phone conversation. She, she had lost a family member, and, and she called me from out of town, and she wanted some spiritual uh, direction, and she was really mad at God. And we talked. I said, you're special. You're important. And she said, well, my kids hate me. Well, her kids don't hate her, but that's what she felt at that time. She said, my kids hate me. They don't listen to me. They don't care about me. I said, they care about you more than words can say. You matter. There there may be someone in here you think you don't matter to your kids. You think you don't matter to your family. There is not a time in your life that you are not important to your family. That's your takeaway. Even if you've blown it in a season or several seasons of parenting, this is a season to begin to trust God for your forgiveness and your restoration. Amen? I don't want, and more importantly than me, God doesn't want for you to walk out of here with your head down. He wants to restore you today. He wants to start that parenting encouragement encouragement today so you can leave out of here with his forgiveness. Here's the second uh, reason that you're important. Parent, parents matter in every difficulty of life. Let me tell you something important. You're going to face difficulties in your life, and your children will too. Is that something that is foreign to you? We're going to face difficulties in life, right? And in all these difficulties, in all these difficulties, I, I thought about this scripture, and it says this to fathers, but I think that every parent can take it into their, 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 their spiritual bank account. They can take it into their arsenal. It says, fathers, don't provoke or don't be the cause of your children becoming angry, right? Fathers, don't provoke uh, your children to anger, but instead bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, And what this is telling us right here is that parents, 
and the emphasis is on dads, you have the ability and the responsibility to direct your children in God's direction, in God's way. And God makes it really easy, right? You don't even have to, you don't even have to make up the judgments. He says this, he says, in, uh, in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own abilities. Lean not on, on what you've been taught. You can trust the Lord with all of your heart and the difficulties that you're going to face and do not lean on yourself. Don't lean on your own wisdom because you've blown it in the past, right? If anyone in here has blown it in the past, you can grab a hold of God's wisdom and don't lean on yours. And he's going to help you to navigate through life. So, I talk to a lot of people. Have you noticed that? I've been ministering to this, this, this man, uh, this wonderful uh, dad. In fact, that's why I made a trip to California, uh, not just to go to the beach for two days and get a little bit darker than I already am. But I, I wanted to go make a visit because there's a, there's a, a, a dear individual, uh, very dear to us, that lost his son. And, uh, and so I've been calling him and, and, and texting him as well as, you know, other people that, that we call and we text. And in this, he, he's navigating through, through, through this time in his life. But he, he told me a story. Here's the thing. Him and his 30-year-old son had a wonderful relationship. He, he would spend time, he would spend time with his son. He'd invest time and they'd fly to different places and they would do things that were out of the ordinary because he wanted his son to have these moments that he'd always be able to take away and pour in, into his, probably his grandchildren uh, as, as, as he did this. So he's in a, in a very difficult place in his life. But he said something to me that, 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 that just is, is so, so important about helping people to navigate through difficult times. Okay, so his son who, who, who recently passed had a, many friends. And one of his friends was talking to this dad. And the dad asked him, because he had a great job, the dad asked him, how's your job going? And the, the young man put his head down, and he said, it's not going too well. And the, the dad said, well, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. Now remember, he's got a wonderful relationship with his son. They talk about everything. How many of you know that's important? You establish a relationship with your kids so they can talk to you about anything. And so as he's talking to this friend, the friend says, my job's not going too well. well what's going on? He said, well, I messed up at work, and they want to drug test me, so I haven't been back because I don't think I'm going to pass a drug test. So this dad looks at him straight in the eye, and he says, he says, dude, you, you, I've known you for a lot of years. You've been a friend of my son's for many years. And what I've noticed about you, I'm going to tell you right now, what I've noticed about you is you run from everything that's difficult. You run away from everything that's difficult. Now, this job that you have, you have a wonderful union. You have a wonderful backing. You go back 
and you take that drug test, and if you fail that drug test, you take the consequences like a man, and you keep moving forward, it's time to stop running. That young man started tearing up. They're at a USC uh, tailgate. That's where they're at, and everyone's going crazy, and so they've never seen this young man uh, tear up like that, and so they're saying, well, what's going on? And, And so the young man looks at him, at the dad, and he said, no one has ever cared enough to tell me what I need to hear. I've ran from everything in my life because no one has cared enough to tell me what I need to hear in my difficult times. And guess what he did? He went back and he faced that drug test and he faced the consequences and he's moving forward in life because sometimes in life, beloved, sometimes in life we have to face the difficult things and get through it with God. So you may be in here and you've, you've maybe you're parenting or maybe you've been, you're, you, you uh, are, are younger or maybe you've run from things. Today God is telling you, you need to quit running from difficulty and face it with Jesus. And here are five ways, five biblical helps for dealing with your child difficulties because we all have them, Right? The first way is we discern reactions. We discern reactions. And we do this by taking the time to recognize the patterns of our kids. And here's the red flag. I'm going to talk to everybody here. You got to sometimes come away from this. Can we do that? The way that we learn our kids is to recognize what they do, to see the patterns. So you see, some kids, some of our children are introverted. And so they react when difficult times come. They react inwardly. They isolate themselves. Some of our children in difficult times, they react outwardly. They become irritable. They act out to get attention. And the way that you help them face difficulties is you begin to discern their reactions and you begin to nip it before they get to that place. You begin to understand what's going on. You're quiet. What's going on? Or what's going on, son? You're acting out. This is not how you usually act. Is something going on? And you begin to recognize what's going on in their life. That's why... I love the way that the message Bible puts it, or message paraphrase. It says this, fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Instead, take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. You know why that's so good? It's a relational, it's a relational passage. It says, it says, take them by the hand. Learn, learn how they're going to react. And instead of, instead of you coming hard and exasperating them, you take them by the hand. You have a relationship with him. Just like, just like this uh, dad spoke to this uh, uh, friend of his son. He, he, he didn't shy away from it. He didn't say, oh, okay, that's too bad. He took him by the hand and he took him from one place 
and he took him to the master. Sometimes you've got to face difficulties. Number two, second way that we help our, our children face their difficulties is we have to deal with fears and worries. Every child has fears and worries. In fact, that's one of the greatest privileges that we have is helping our children overcome what they're fearing. Let me say this. I believe this with all my heart because I've seen it. Some adults are still fearful and anxious because of something that happened in their childhood and they've never faced that anxiety and that fear and that worry. Difficulties are a breeding ground for fear and worry. Nobody has fear whenever everything's going well. Nobody has anxiety when everything's going well, but when difficulties come, it seems like anxiety just comes up and fears just come up. And here's, here's, here's a blessing, guys. As a follower of Christ, you're able to usher those children from this place of fear, this place of anxiety, you can usher them to the peace of God. There's peace in Christ. There's peace at the foot of the cross. There's, there is peace in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you an assignment. If you're, if you're a parent here, if you're a grandparent, and, and, and some of your grandchildren, or, or, or maybe you, you're a mentor. You, you might not have kids, but you can be a mentor. Maybe there's someone that's dealing with fear. What if you teach them how to trust God's word and replace their fear with truth? What if, what if one, of, one of your children right now are facing some, some fearful times or some anxiety. And what if you sit down with them? I'm going to give you an, an assignment. This is things that I've done with my kids. What if you say, let's write this down. Let's, let's, let, maybe it could be a three-by-five card. You know, we, do, we can write, you know. We can do that now still. I know we have our texting and stuff. But we can write. What if we were to write this down and, and you put a scripture? And maybe uh, uh, let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And you write this with your child and you say, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about, what does the Bible say? Don't worry about nothing. But instead, pray about everything. And tell God what you need because God wants to hear not only what you need, but what your child needs. Amen? I did this yesterday. I'm in a season where I've got some difficulties. I've got some, a situation that I'm dealing with. I was going through, through, my, through my notes, and I said, Lord, I need to practice this today. So I told God what I was dealing with, which he already knows, but he wants me to agree with him. I said, God, I'm dealing with this real difficult thing right now, and, 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 and so I'm, I'm going I'm to give this to you. I'm, I, I know that you're bigger than this problem that I'm dealing with. And then it says, and thank him for all that he's done. And guess what I did yesterday? I thanked him, Lord, I'm going through this, but you're bigger, and thank you that you're in control, and you're going to get me through it. 
Now, what if you begin to show your children that God is bigger than their problem? What if you begin to show your children that God is bigger than their fear? What if you begin to show your children that God is bigger than anxiety? We live in a country, we live in a world that's filled with anxiety. Anxious thoughts, anxious people. You can show your kids how to overcome. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Pause. Pause. How many of you could take, could, could, uh, how many of you would allow more peace in your life? How many of you want more peace in your life? Look what it says here. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. What if you were to teach your child at the age of 10 years old when he faced a bully and that bully was making him so scared because he's, he, he or she feels comfortable to talk to you and you put this scripture into place in, in their life and they overcome and they learn to live their lives trusting God more than their fear. Here's the second, I mean the third uh, the way that we can help our children through difficulty we create a place of safety. Your home should be a safe place. Your life should be a safe place. I love what the prophet Nahum said. Uh, he said, the Lord is good. He's a refuge in times of what? Of trouble. The Lord is good. And no matter if I'm going through trouble, he's a refuge. He cares for those who trust in him. Parents, you need to know that you matter because you can be a place of refuge for security in your children's life. Shauna and I did a lot of things wrong in our life. We've blown it in our parenting many times. And what we've found when we've blown it is that we need a savior. What we have found, what, what Shauna and I have found in, in, in those times that we've blown it in, in, in difficulties is that we need a Savior. And Shauna and I have done a lot of good things. We've done a lot of things right. And what we've found in those times when we've done things right is that there's a Savior to give glory to because it's only by His grace. Everything that I've ever done right, beloved, everything that I've been done right is through the grace of Jesus Christ. And everything that I've done wrong, I've depended on the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ to help me in my path. But the one thing that I know we did right is that when God came into our life, when Jesus became my Savior, we began to make our home a safe place for our kids. See, our home became a place that was not like the world. They had everything in the world, all the pressures, all the, all the, the, the let's say, filth, all the stuff that can corrupt you, all the stuff that we walked in and we lived in before Jesus. The world had that. When we came to Jesus, he began to clean us from the inside out. See, Jesus is not, he's not looking for performance. He's not looking for you to perform. He's looking to transform your life. 
And so what he began to do in our life is he began to change us from the inside out. And he wants to change you from the inside out. And he wants to make your home a safe place for your children. And your children will begin to, to, to understand that there will be some things that will destroy their lives. Anyone in here had something that tried to destroy your life? You, know, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you do, praise God. God wants to protect your children from those things. He wants to protect you. And you can teach them the value of this scripture right here. It says, the prudent, they see danger and they take what? Refuge. But the simple, they keep going and they pay the penalty. Help them. Help your children to realize that God is their safety and, and he's placed parents as agents of refuge. Father, right now, I just pray for every parent, Lord God, that's here. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will empower them to be a refuge to their children. That they will just be touched from the inside out, Lord. That the, 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 the wiles, the, the, the works of the enemy will not be able to penetrate. As Jesus said, the enemy is coming, but he has nothing in me, Lord. Because of Christ, let these parents that are here, let them know that you're with them. And let them be a place of safety and security. I'm going to give you a challenge with that sub-point right there. Number one, do everything in the power of the Holy Spirit to build trust with your kids. Do everything in the power of the Holy Spirit. This means honesty. You begin to build trust with your kids, okay? So they know that they have a refuge in you. Here's a biggie. Then you pray to God when you go home. You say, Lord, show me things that, need to be, that I need to get rid of. Get rid of all pornography. Get rid of anything that's going to destroy your temple, your heart. Can we talk about this? Get, get, get rid of, uh, of um, any occult items. You see, one of the things that, 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 that the Lord, uh, you cannot put nothing before him. Anything that takes it, the place of God, you get rid of that. And you begin to make your home a place of refuge. You begin to make your heart a place of refuge. And Christ will dwell there. And your children will see a difference. Your home can become a safe place, not only for your children, but it becomes a safe place for you. You know, when my kids became young adults, they would say, Dad, you can't, wa you, you can't watch that movie. Well, why? Well, some of the things that, that they say or some of the things that, they, well, if I can't watch it, why can you? Make your, make your home, make your life a place of refuge. Make it a sanctuary. Not, not in a way that it's legalism. Don't ever become legalistic. You're free to do everything. As a Christian, hear me now, as a Christian, everything is lawful for us. Everything. But not everything is profitable. Not everything is going to benefit us. Okay, here's, the, here's the, the fourth way that we help them through difficulty. Take Time to listen. 
Take time to listen to your kids. God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah, and he said, um, he said, you will call on me, and you'll come in, and you'll pray to me. And then he said what? I will listen. I will listen to you. How many of you, when you talk to God, do you believe that he's listening? I want you guys to have that assurance that if you come through Jesus, if, if you're God's child through Jesus Christ, everything you say to God matters. He's listening to everything. Now, if, if, if we matter to God, if God listens to everything that I say, how much more is it important for when my children come to me because of God, should I listen to them? This is, beloved, you matter when you take on the discipline of listening. A lot of times, what, what do we do when people are talking to us? We're thinking, this is what I'm going to say. The practice of listening is to look at people and listen to what they're saying. Listen to your children. They want to be heard. I'm going to say this because I believe it. Listening parents are successful parents. Parents that are always talking, parents that are always saying, do this, do that, why did you do this, why did you do that, are usually unsuccessful parents. Parents that are listening parents are successful parents because you're hearing what your kids need. You're hearing, you're noticing their, their, their reactions. You're discerning all these things. It's funny because we were sitting around a table the other day having lunch, and, and my wife said something that it, it's a compliment. I mean, I, I just absolutely love it. It took me 50 years to get it, but I'm getting it. Not perfectly. You know, I'm in my fatty 50s, so I'm getting something besides a burrito. She said, my, my husband's turning into quite the romantic. And the reason that she said that is because the gifts that I'm getting her are outside of the norm. I'm getting her gifts that I really think about. What, what, what does she need? What, what is she saying to me? I'm really trying in this, in this stage of my life to listen to her so that I can hear those things that maybe they used to just go above my head, right? And go get her a Starbucks card. Here, babe, happy birthday, right? So this year, I'm going to tell you, I'm not bragging on myself, but I just think it was, it's a God moment. This year, I was just thinking, you know, what do I want to get my wife? You can buy her anything, right? You know, pastors make buku bucks. We can buy <laughs> We'll take a change for change offering for Shauna's gift. <laughs> no, I was thinking, what can I do to, to, to bless my wife? And I thought, you know what? She's turning. <laughs> she turned 50 this year. Applause. She's going to kill me. <laughs> so I, I was driving and I thought, I thought I'm going to list 50, 50 reasons why I love her. And so I started thinking about all these reasons why I love her and I jotted them down and, I, and, and as, as, as we did. Now that's not, I never thought like that. 
But when you start listening, you start hearing. If you listen to your children, you're going to hear things. Let me, let me tell you something. For, for, let, me, let me just say the scripture, okay? James teaches us, and you guys know the scripture. James 1.9, he says, everyone should be, right, slow to speak, slow to become angry, and then what? Quick to listen. Quick to listen. So let me tell you a funny about seasons. I have to share this because it was in my mind and, 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 and listening to our kids and grandkids. So my, I'm, we've got four grandkids, right? I don't even know where this fits. I'm just going to share it. We got four grandkids, so we just had a baby, an infant, so different seasons. I should have shared this in the, in the seasons point. And then we have a two-year-old, right? The two-year-old is from my, my baby boy, and, uh, and no, no, the two-year-old is from my oldest daughter. I don't even know what I have. <laughs> my oldest daughter. And the, the infant is from our baby boy, right? And so, so our daughter-in-law, she's breastfeeding. Where are we going? So Ishara is breastfeeding the baby, baby Saley, right? And, and uh, Ava, the two-year-old, she's looking intently like, what in the world's going on? And she hears the baby, you know, suction going on and all kinds of stuff. And she says, Auntie, Auntie, wh- 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 why is the baby eating your body? You answer that, right? <laughs> everyone, everyone should be quick to listen. Okay. Here's the fifth one. The fifth way we can help our, our children in our difficulty. Not only do we take time to listen, but we take time to pray. We have the greatest arsenal in the battles of our lives in prayer. Can can I tell you something? That that praying is something you can do anywhere. You can do it driving. You can just talk to God. You 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 don't have to do this regiment or this religious routine. You can just talk to God through Jesus. And can I tell you this, that you will never waste your breath or your words or your time when you pray to God. When you pray to God about your children, he hears everything. I'm going to end with this scripture right here. It's from James chapter 5. And it's a, it's a message uh, a paraphrase that says, make this your common practice. Now, I love it. I love the way it says it. Make this your common practice. In other words, do this. Let this become a lifestyle. Confess your sins to each other. Now, you guys heard me when I said, I've blown it many times as a parent. And I'll say it again. I've blown it as a parent. I've blown it as a husband. I've blown it as a pastor. I've blown it as a son. I've blown it as an employee. I've blown it as an employer. It teaches me that I need Jesus, but I don't have a problem confessing that I fall short of the glory of God. Let me say this to you, beloved. This is important. Your kids need to know that you're not perfect. 
they need to know that you're relatable. Some of the greatest moments I've ever had with my now adult children is when I've admitted my faults and said I blew it and I'm sorry. And it brought us so close together that it opened up it opened up the gates for there to be reliability, for there to be trust. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and then pray for each other. Teaching your children to pray with you, to pray alongside of you, to pray for you. Pray for me as your dad. Pray for me as your grandfather so that you can live together whole and healed. He goes on, he says, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful and to be reckoned with. In other words, when you're, when you're living under the umbrella, when you're living under the, the submission of God, when you say, Lord Jesus, I'm not perfect, you are, but today I want to glorify you with my life. Lord, I just pray that I can make a difference. God hears you and he's going to allow for that door to open up so that you can make a difference. He goes on and it says this, it says, Elijah... For instance, he was human just like us. He prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came, and everything started growing again. Imagine, imagine what would happen in our families if we prayed more for our kids and our grandkids. I hear this all the time. We just got to pray. We were driving down from California with some dear friends of ours. Husband and wife, they were, they were drive, they drove us. I love that. At LA traffic. Only the Sopchicks can drive there, you know. I, I was like, yikes. But we're driving back and, and the husband and wife are talking. They were dear friends of ours. They love the Lord. They're making a difference in the kingdom. And we, uh, we talked about this. We just got to pray for our kids. And we say that, but we don't pray. We just got to pray for our neighbors. We say that, but we don't pray. But imagine if we begin to intentionally pray for our kids. Every day, say a prayer for your kids. Lord, bless my son. Lord, help my daughter. Father, come alongside them and, and show them how real you are. If we do it, God will answer. He will move. He will do miracle of miracles in their life. Because that's the God that we serve. Parents, before you leave here today and we go out there to have enjoy hamburgers and, and hot dogs and all kinds of stuff, you're all invited. But before we do that, I want you to know that you matter to God. Can you receive that? You matter to God. And if you have parents right now, even if they've blown it, let God bring in forgiveness and make a phone call and say, Mom, Dad, you matter to me. You gave me my life and you matter to God. Amen. Father, thank you for giving me the blueprint for, for parenting in your word. 
Lord, we confess that we need your guidance in leading our families. We pray you fill us with the wisdom which comes from the Holy Spirit, the wisdom we need for everyday choices and circumstances that are impacting myself and our 